Hey, Mac, when does deer season start? Well, if you want the best deer herd possible, Lanny, you need to start right now. Right now. That's, That's why right. we're starting our promotion. I mean, we've got a deer season starts now promotion on plantbiologic.com where you can pick up our game changer soybeans, our forage soybeans, and our spring protein peas. While you're there, you might as well go ahead and pick up some brassicas like our final forage and winter bowls. Yeah, stock up for the cool season planting right now. Listeners to the GK Podcast, if you use coupon code GKPOD, you can save an additional 10% off our entire selection of warm season, cool season, and clover food plot seed. Get started today and visit plantbiologic.com for an unforgettable fall. All right, everybody, welcome. This is a, kind of a little extra bonus podcast we're doing, but it's on a subject matter that's all very important to us all. And uh, we're going to talk about butchering a deer and what some of the muscle groups are best suited for. And I don't know anything about this, Doug, so I'm, I'm learning like a lot of people will be. But you... Now, uh, for the most part, I, I do my own deer, but I, I keep it simple. I hadn't, I hadn't really experimented a whole lot and i've used what works so i'm I'm excited to hear and ask questions and see how this goes yeah so let me set the table you everybody heard mac with his countdown he's you know he's legendary with that countdown yeah dudley sitting then we've got dudley sitting here um next to dudley is vandy stubbs who if there's ever a guy that that loves cooking it's vandy yeah he loves entertaining like he likes eating even better yeah yeah, uh I, Vandy helps manage the whole foxhole shootout thing. Like, uh, it wouldn't be possible without Vandy. And he's dealing with all these chefs and ordering this and ordering that. And it's just right up his alley. It, 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 all, it all seems to center around food, though. It, it does. Sam also helps with, with the foxhole shootout. Absolutely. Yep. Our so next guest. Yep. So, Sam Kohler, who, uh, among a lot of things, does the gamekeeper butchery. Yep. And uh, Sam, uh, glad to have you here. And we, we, we're expect Sam cooked some meat for us that we're gonna we have all tried. And uh, Sam's a great cook now. There's no doubt about that. I wish he would wear a hairnet. That's my only request from him. A uh, ball cap does just fine. Yeah, he's got a lot more hair than I do. So, and then sitting, up, I'm really excited to introduce this guy. And I'm looking at him. He's he's a ball of fun now. And uh, he's from South Africa. And he's been a butcher of meat for a long time, but his name is Adrian Funsale. Now, I said Funsale, but you spell it like V-Y-N. Yeah, it's like V-A-N-Z-Y-L. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would not have gotten Funsale out of that. <laughs> it's for, very for, confusing. For sure, yeah. So, Adrian, we are re- really ex- excited to have you. And, and Thank you for having me. Thank yeah. you. And tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I mean, and, I was... Born and raised in South Africa, I lived yeah, there for yeah, 32 yeah. years, and uh, my wife happened to walk into a grocery store one day, and uh, I was the butcher over there. In South Africa? Yeah, and it was kind of like a love at first bite deal, you know, <laughs> you know and, and yes, she was, you know, and uh, she was walking around the grocery store, and of course, I was watching her because I did security too, besides that, you know, because I worked like kind of on and off with the Greek mafia too, you know, okay. it's like a syndicate, you know, they all owned a big syndicate of meat stores. And uh, <clears throat> once she was talking a little different, you know, so that was a red flag. Now, she's from Mississippi. She's from actually from Alabama. Alabama. Yeah, from Alabama. Well, she's talking a little different, you know, and throws up red flags and says, well, I've got to watch this one. <laughs> you know, I get one thing led to the other, and here we are, about 26 years later. That's you know? great. Yes, sir. And you're here in the States. In the States, yeah. 
did a did a lot of butchering in South Africa and uh, worked on a lot of game farms. You know, uh, processed a lot of venison and game in South Africa. Uh, came to the U.S. Worked for Win Dixie for a long time, and then one day I said, you know, let's just do this for yourself. And we grew the business uh, hundreds gold from 2003 up until now, which has been 20 years. Wow. You, you were saying that, uh, that I th- correct me if I'm wrong, but you processed about 7,000 deer last well, year? It was about 7,500 is what we did. Wow. And we <laughs> did a lot of deer. We did that with uh, a 62-year-old lady, a 20-year-old boy and myself. A little short-handed, I guess, labor. You know, since COVID came out, it seems to be a problem, labor, trying to find people to work, you know. So it's one of the reasons, too, why I ventured in another direction, because you don't have the people to do what you have to do. So back in the, in South Africa, there's a lot of different animals. And I, I mean, everybody's like, duh. But they all have way different meat characteristics, don't they? Everything tastes different, yeah. Like, I mean, the kudu is completely different from the Cape buffalo. I mean, uh, you know, you have your springbuck, you have your hemsbuck, you have your eland, which is what you call that, eland. Something like that. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we'll go to South Africa, because South Africa's got a lot of the, you know, so the hemsbuck, you know. That's one of the big horns that curl back like a sable. Yeah. Um, yeah, everything, everything is different. All the muscle groups are the same. Everything breaks down the same. Some muscle groups are just bigger than other, you know, uh, but yeah, all, all different tastes. Yeah. Well, so... What I want to do is, is, is look, kind of fast forward to to modern times and get you to help us understand how to break down a, a break down a, a white tail. But before we do that, Mac, we uh, this episode is brought to you by our friends at Walmart, and, uh, and they've got some game process the gamekeeper processing equipment. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so it's the uh, the Weston Mossy Oak Gamekeeper pro- products. I mean everything from grinders uh, i mean electric grinders to vacuum sealers to jerky guns uh i mean meat slicers uh single patty presses i mean really there's everything that you can imagine and then also the seasonings uh the seasonings are awesome I and mean, we've had a lot of them here uh I, I really love the electric vacuum sealer i mean that's something that it, I, I try to use at the office some uh it's a, it's a really good product and works really well well, so a guy can go to Walmart, and in the sporting goods department, there's all this stuff to help him process his own his own venison. So, and they're Western product, so you know they're great. So, I would encourage people to check this out. You know, there's options in the world. I, for one, you know, in the past have dropped tailgate and dropped a deer off at a processor and let them do everything. But there, I'm beginning to learn there's there's ways to do a lot of that yourself so right. that's what we're going to explain today yeah well, i mean nothing nothing better than a guy doing his own deer knowing where it comes from knowing who handled it and knowing what he's putting in his freezer there are a lot of places out there that that process your meat that you don't you don't get that kind of quality at least you can see what you're doing and you know what you're doing you just need to be trained to do it the way it needs to be done no so, doubt. It, so that's a perfect start so le- let's kind of go through what a guy needs and then how to identify what muscle groups go into what, what ends up being a roast, what ends up being hamburger meat. I'd love for you to explain yeah. what do you add fat to the hamburger, what, what a guy could expect. And then, Bandy, I'm kind of looking at you to kind of take this thing deep in the, in the question, you and Sam. Sure. So I'm just going, I'm going to back out of here. You see, like in all the years that I've been in processing, I've never added any fat whatsoever to my hamburger. 
Now, unless the customer says, Luke, add me 10% fat, I will add 10% fat. But for the most part, I've never added anything to my venison. Uh, and people have loved it just like that, you know. Um, I, I, I agree 100%. Um, <clears throat> I mean, for years growing up, all the processors that, that I used and that sort of thing added 10 15% fat. Dudley was actually the first one to tell me. He was like, I don't add any to mine. So I started getting mine that way and then doing my own that way. I've never noticed any sort of difference that the beef fat ever added to it. I mean, the, the bur- I mean, as long as you you treat the meat properly after you kill it, and you know if you're aging it or whatever, everything still tastes great. So I, I and for the most part, I'm not making burgers with mine either. You know, I'm making right, it's tacos and stuff like that. Right, you know, something right, that'll crumble. Right. That's why, as soon as you start adding fat, That's it's going right. to just mold the meat and hold the meat together. Now, if you're doing a lot of hamburgers, fine. Sure. Put some bacon in there if you want to too. I mean, it makes a difference. Right. Um, you know, but if you you can add fat too to hold together. But I'm I'm with him. You know, tacos something to break together. A lot of times when you have hamburger and fat mixed together, you got to sit there with a spatula and keep on breaking it loose until you get it fine the way you want. But pretty much go to the grocery store, buy a ground round. That's your, that's your venison right there, but leaner and also better for you. Um, stick it in the pan, it crumbles, you're ready to go, your tacos are ready. Right. It's, a, it's amazing when you kind of circle back to how healthy venison actually is, and, and it's so lean. It's a, there's no arguments that it, it, it's a great organic meat for us all to enjoy. Yeah. Sam, I'm looking at you. Uh, that, that, can you talk a little bit about that? People your age, uh, the value that you're putting on the, a, an organic product like venison? Yeah, I mean, you're seeing the big wave right now, especially on social media. A lot of athletes and a lot of top performance um, you know, professionals are moving towards wild game into these leaner cuts of meat, such as elk, such as venison, because it's also you have a higher, you know, zinc, you have a higher uh, magnesium, I believe, Um density than you do with traditional beef you also have higher natural antioxidants higher protein levels in comparison to traditional beef so i think it overall it's just there's been a massive push towards these more you know nutritious and nutrient dense forms of meat compared to traditional beef and pork and yeah folks are just more interested these days you know that in in where their food comes from Mm -hmm. and they're wanting to learn about how to produce it uh, you know how to produce it first and then how to process it and the you know the eating is the best part exactly mm-hmm. exactly uh, so the, early on let's 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 talk about aging the meat so so you've killed a doe and you bring her back to the cabin and you skin her and gut her and you get, you're starting to prepare what do you recommend a guy age his his meat and I, well, i'd like to get i think vandy's got an opinion about that but adrian i'm kind of looking at you what, mean, what do you think i mean a lot of people old school i have had a lot of customers come to me and say hey can you hang my deer for for a week before you cut it well you know if you're in the processing business and you're processing as much meat as we processed it's kind of hard to hang a deer for a week just like uh, it's taking up space for another deer to come in so it, i would i would say it's not necessary to to age it two days hanging in the cooler it's bled out completely it's just like a hog same thing you can go ahead and ke- clean your hog today hang it up tomorrow morning if it's bled out you can go ahead and process your hog um so is that what you're waiting for is the meat to I mean, the blood yeah, to drain you're pretty out? much just waiting for the blood to come out because if you take a deer and you just and it still has blood you do your hamburger and you don't put no fat in it it's going to be bloody the next day right. it sits inside a vacuum bag or it sits inside a a sleeve that you pump it into it's going to be bloody and most housewives don't want to open up a bag and it's just blood <laughs> everywhere yeah 
you don't you never hear the end of it. The wife says, "Don't you ever take it back to that processor again?" Right. You know what I'm saying? Well, you don't want that. You don't want that kind of reputation. So, I would say most two days you're ready to go. Yeah, I mean, what what's sitting in front of us? We had what everything from five. Yeah, let's a, let's talk about that. Yeah. So you want to uh, lead into what, what this experiment was? You Sam. Sam. Yeah, so Jason shot a doe earlier this year. McKellar. McKellar, right, Jason McKellar. Department. And ended up taking one of the back straps and breaking it into four pieces and then aging them for separate times using wet aging technique. And so he did five days, 10 days, 20 days, and 30 days. And then we just right now took these steaks, let them come to room temperature, and then did a real simple salt and pepper, and then seared them off inside of a pan with a little bit of olive oil, and then let them rest for 10 minutes, and then this is the final product right here. Yeah, they're, I'm looking at them, and I just tasted them. They're very consistent. What, what is uh, wet aging? Can you explain that? Yeah, so wet aging is when you take any steak, put it in the vacuum sealer bag, and then just put them in a refrigerator usually, and then just let them sit for as long as you would like to do it. I recommend any like under thirty days is usually where I like to keep it. I mean, Why is that referred to as wet? I'm uh, what am I missing? You, you, Compared to dry aging, yeah. you're, if, you're, uh, if you're dry aging, you're taking moisture out to accomplish the same thing. So you're like you, you see at some of these fancy steak restaurants, they have a dry age cooler where they have the whole loin sitting in there, and it you know it looks like leather on the outside. Yeah, there's air the circulating around it. Where wet aging, it's going to be like in a bag, either in the fridge or in an ice chest. Exactly, something. and also with dry aging, your product tends to be a whole lot more expensive too because right. so much trimmings has to be done to clean it all that dark off in order to cut. So you're losing you lose uh, a lot of 10, 15, yeah. 20% you know, of, of the total product. You know, uh, So uh, best thing to do is wet age because you, if you want, to heal as much meat as possible, wet age and don't dry age. You um, know? Yeah, and like on that point, like you can like dry aging is great if you got a whole cow, right? Like right. You got, if you're doing a cow, with where you can where you have ability to take and shave off a good amount. But the nice venison tenderloin, you know, you 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 dry age that thing, you're going to lose pretty much half of it. It's not going to be that's worth. A, it's like jerky, fifty percent gone. You know, um, and. Uh, while we're on this subject, uh, and this is all arguable too, but around here, our, our little clan of, of friends, we seem to dry age with the hide on. So we gut the deer, whether that be in the field or at the skinning shed, and then we hang it in a walk-in cooler uh, or these, these new cool bots. It's like an, a, yeah. a window unit that you convert into a walk-in cooler. Um, and we leave them with the hide on, so that's covering the the meat but it allows for some air exchange but you don't get that dark bark from it being so, exposed so the most air exchange you're going to have then is just going to be in the chest cavity in because the, chest the rest cavity, be covered up or so slower slow slowly through that skin layer right so everything everything else is still going to be covered up so it's almost like a wet aging then at right. that point and and folks say that that could be dirty but the inside of that hide is not changed yeah. right um and so anyway we encourage people to try try different things yeah. that works for us but i mean we just did a taste test of this meat uh anybody want to talk about that i, I mean I, I i was genuinely surprised that the, at the there, there's a little bit of difference between the five day and the 30 day but it's not as much as i thought it would be no. i, I would have thought the 30 day would have been 
almost melt in your mouth tender and the five day be pretty chewy but the five day was was perfectly tender and uh, the 30 day was a, a little bit more yeah but a week ago i would have told you that there's going to be a huge difference in the absolutely. texture absolutely absolutely yeah what's yeah. your thoughts on that adrian i i, w- I would say uh I have to agree with what he said. I mean, uh, the first one, I started with the first one, which was five days, and then ended up with a 30-day one. And if there was, if I had to say uh, there was a wow factor, there wasn't much of a wow factor because it was so close, you know. Uh, so, and I think with it being as, as lean as it is too, you know, that makes a difference too. And some people now, even if they age it for 30 days, and they're not cooked the way Sam cooked it. Cooked, it's perfectly cooked. And some people will overcook it. And at that point over there, no matter how long you aged it, yeah. it's going to be tough. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just not going to be tender anymore. Yeah, break I think, out I think, the ketchup. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it. I think more importantly is, is picking the right muscle group to, to cook that way. Um, and then how you prepare it obviously makes a huge difference too. But, I mean, compared to – like, I don't think you could take um, certain cuts and make it that tender. You know, everybody you know focuses on the back strap. That's, that's, that's the pride and joy of, of, of the total deer. If a customer doesn't get all his back strap back, believe me, you'll get a phone call and say, I don't feel like I got all my back strap back. You know, that's one thing you about know? when you go to a processor. You drop <laughs> off this, this big animal that you've conquered. Yeah. And then when you pick it up, you get a grocery bag. Uh-huh. I, I've never left a processor when I didn't think, ah, they didn't give me all my meat. That's it. But that's exactly. I, I, I'm, I'm sure that I'm sure that's not the case. Yeah, so. that's exactly right. But I mean, people want that. There's two things on the deer that they want, and don't mess it up. Don't mess my back strap up, and don't mess my tenderloin up. I want those little inners. Those are good on a biscuit for breakfast. That's what they want, you know. But you know, besides those being the two quality parts of the deer, you know, there's there's more parts of the deer that, that that are great to eat. Like for instance, your hind quarter, you know, break your hind quarter down. You still have a rump on it. That's actually a steak. Now you could go ahead and take that rump, or you could vacuum pack that rump too, and you can age it too for thirty days. It, pull that rump, cut you some steaks. They're great. They're excellent to cook that way. But on your hind quarter, you have your top round, you have your sirloin tip, and you'll still have your, your, your uh, bottom round. Those bottom rounds over there, you could also go ahead and, and dry age or, or wet age them, just like that, vacuum pack them for uh, X amount of five days. Let's not do 30. But those are more for skillet steaks. So you trim everything up, get all, get all your top off, and get your nice lean meat. Well, those can be chopped up and actually very good as what I call a braising steak. Put them in a skillet, braise them up, put some onions, bell peppers, cook them up, get your brown gravy, throw the gravy in there, put the lid on, let it simmer. Before you know it, you've got something that's falling apart. Mm. It's just wonderful. You know, I had an old man that used to bring me deer. Honestly, he brought me deer, and th- this, these were prehistoric deer. To me, it just looked prehistoric because it came two hindquarters, the ribs were cut off, and I just had a back strap hanging. No shoulders. And that's how, he, that's how he always bought them. Oh, I don't eat the shoulders. He says, it's a waste. I just throw them away. I said, I'll tell you what. Bring me a shoulder next time. Bring me two shoulders next time, and I will cook them for you free of charge. I said, when I'm done cooking them, let me know if you still want to throw them away. Well, he came back uh, when his order was ready. I said, they're coming off the cooker right now. I said, head this way. They were hot. He couldn't resist. He was in Reform, Alabama is where he lived. He pulled off on Highway 82 on the side of the road, opened up one of those aluminum pans and got eaten. 
He said, didn't stop eating until I finished the whole pan. <laughs> he says, I will never throw a shoulder away again. So what did you do? I just slow cooked it. The whole shoulder? Bacon, put it all together, and I cooked it in a smoker pressure cooker. And it just fell apart. It's like the best barbecue you would ever eat. It's better than pulled pork. So and better so and better for you. When you cook the the whole shoulder like that, do you do you try to remove anything out of the shoulder or anything? Do you just leave it whole? No, I, I take the meat right off the bone. Gotcha. And put the shoulder in there like that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you take the bone out. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Take the bone out. Sam, that's making me hungry. Yeah. Now, that's yeah, fantastic. That <laughs> Everything on the deer is delicious. You yeah, just a lot need of, to know how to cook it. A lot of uh, I keep seeing more and more about people slow cooking the shanks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you've got all that cartilage and stuff in there, but if you cook it long enough, that cartilage eventually breaks down and, and becomes part of the goodness. It forms know. its own gelatin. Yeah. You know, there's a thing, there's a traditional dish that we cook in South Africa. It's called poikikos. So in other words, you get yourself pork shanks, you get venison shanks, and you get yourself lamb shanks. And you stick it in a black pot, like a tri- tripod with three little legs, and we had like a chain that you could drop it down. Mm-hmm closer to the fire to let it cook more and we'd have cabbage in there we'd have carrots in there we'd have potatoes in there any kind of vegetable possible all this was cooking together it's like a big gumbo but just done this you know south african way and uh when you finish eating that over there i mean it's like the marrow coming out of those bones and you, you could just take it like that and pull it right off and just melt in your mouth and that's a shank mm-hmm. a lot of people think the shanks are waste when you're processing a deer Every little bit that you can get off matters to the end it adds to, to heal what you need to heal. Now, I've, I've never had a customer ever come to me in the time that I've been in business and tell me, hey, uh, I didn't get all my meat back. But what I have had them come to me and say is, I got too much meat back. <laughs> you know, I've never had that problem. And then all the time that I've been in business in the 20 years, I've had one customer that never picked up a deer. He couldn't pick it up. He got arrested and went to jail. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, good record, you know? Yeah. Venison's yeah, good. You're doing yeah. something right. Yes, sir. Um, so we kind of have this argument in the office. Uh, you see all these foodies on social media cooking, cooking deer meat and making broths and yeah. cooking the bones in and, and – uh, a lot of people act like it's not gamey, and around here when we try it, we we catch this gamey flavor. Is there is there a secret to that? I mean, do you taste a gaminess, or do you think it's like they're less gamey up north? Or no, I but, think I think it all begins on from the beginning when you from the beginning on your hunt, uh, how you took care of that animal, how soon you got it cleaned, how soon you got it in refrigeration. Yeah, a lot of people say. I, I killed this deer, and uh, I killed him at 10 o'clock last night. It was cold enough outside. I'll just leave it lay out there. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm just going to leave it lay out there. Well, okay. guess what? I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something about that over there. When a deer dies and the heart stops beating, there's no more blood pumping. So in other words, he's dead. So even if it's 30 degrees out there or 10 degrees outside there, your stomach starts forming gases. When those, that stomach starts forming gases, it has to release somewhere. It pressurizes into the meat. And then when people bring those deer and they clean it up and, and, and we get to eat it, they'll be like, oh my gosh, that was so gamey. Well, that's the reason why. The sooner you get the deer to the processor, the sooner you get that hide pulled off. I used to like mine where it's still jiggly when you kick it and it still did this. Yeah. You know? 
not with rigor mortis kicked in. Uh, clean it, hang it in the cooler as soon as possible, and uh, have a good clean deal. And that, uh, I'm going to stereotype here, but us here in the South, we tend to not immediately gut an animal. Uh, and then Sam from Wisconsin up north, even though it's freezing cold, when they kill something, they immediately gut the animal. Field dress Yes. And um, maybe that's the, you know, maybe some of that, that has the, a lot to, to play. That's the ticket. And in South Africa, same thing we did too. Once the animal got, once we killed the animal, we'd cut the throat and we'd gut it right there. That way, if the heart was still beating before we gutted it, the Here blood we. would pump out. Well, the blood's gone. And then, we, then we'd, we'd gut it and take it from that point and hang it up in the cooler. Interesting so, stuff. Yo, Adrian, so why don't we do that? <laughs> you said it right. <laughs> hey, Rocky. <laughs> so to talk to me about, okay, you've, 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 you've covered the front shoulder. You made me want a front shoulder. Yeah. Now, so like a deer's neck, is that uh, Mike Chamberlain? He, he tells me he uh, the the uh, uh, neck, neck roast, roast is his favorite thing. Is that what most people do, or do most people use that neck meat for grind? Yeah. Well, kind of talk through the different parts. A lot, a lot of people put put it in hamburger, but I mean, a lot of people also go ahead and put it in a crock pot or a pressure cooker. And and, and once you do it like that, then that's the only way you have to do it. It has to cook a long time because, especially now in the rut. You know, a lot, a lot of deer's uh, necks and stuff swell up about that big. You get yourself a good fat neck roast, wonderful, but you have to cook it a long time. And if you ever noticed when, when you do a lot of deer and you have a knife and you have a good sharp knife and you start deboning through the neck, you'll find out that your knife doesn't hold up that good either because that meat's so tough. It dulls your meat pretty good, you know. But, yeah, it, a neck is good. Neck is good in, 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 if you cook it a long time. In other words, pressure cooker, cook it. Excellent. Mm. So let's hang up a deer. Yep. You're gonna, you're, are you going to hang him up by his and, – and, Vandy, do you need to leave? Uh, just a couple minutes. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. if you need – just eat, just ease out when you – He's on back. out. Thanks, Vandy. So let, let's talk let's, – so are we gonna, we, we've killed a doe, and uh-huh. we're going to eat her. Are you hanging her up by her neck, or are you hanging her up by her back leg? I normally hang it up by the hind quarter. All right. So when you get the skin off, um, what's your – are you going to cut out the back strap first? That's the first thing I'm going to do. I'm going to take the back strap out, but I'm going to take the back strap out one section all the way from the top of the hind quarter, uh, all the way down to the neck. I'm going to leave everything intact. That's the neck too. If they don't want a neck roast, that means it's going to go on a hamburger at the end of the day, or a specialty, or something, or smoked sausage, or whatever. Um, after that, I'm going to come around the side of the deer and I'm going to come down the rib cage. Deer don't have a whole lot of meat on their ribs anyway, but you, there's normally a good section down the bottom or the brisket. Sometimes you find a whole lot of meat, good lean red meat. I'll take it off, you know, and use it. Then you have your flanks on the top. I'll cut those flanks out, you know, right there where your fillets sit. Most people, and and sometimes if the deer's not clean well, you know, uh, it might be a little messy. They're not good. I'll throw them away. And don't add that in your meat because that's going to be bad. Um, after that, I'll strip the two shoulders off, clean up all the meat around the shoulders, put the shoulders down, and then I always hang my deer up by one leg. So they have that one flapping. I'll take that leg like that, pull it down, and there's a knuckle bone. I'll cut through that knuckle bone and pull it off with a rump when having a bone in it. I'll do the same thing with the other. I'll grab it uh, on that carcass like that, pull it down, and the only thing be left hanging in is just the hind quarter. Take it off and I'll put it up, and then I'll debone. I'll debone whatever else needs to be inside the shop. 
So, and so when you say debone, so you're laying that leg there on a on a table, <clears throat> and then you're just you're carving off muscle groups. Yeah, muscle groups. I'm going ahead and cut the rump off. Then I want to get your top round, your uh, sirloin tip, and your bottom round. Yeah. And I've, I found with that back leg, like you said earlier, a lot of that ends up becoming steaks. I, I bet I probably only grind a, a, no more than a third of the hind quarter. So is there like a formula if, if a guy brings up a 125-pound deer and how many pounds of meat can he expect to get back if he's not boogered up a shoulder? If everything's not messed up on that, he, sh- he should heal at 125 pounds. He should healed about 60 pounds, 55 to 60 pounds of meat. Yeah, it's interesting. Got anything to jump in here with that? One question I have is that I saw the extensive list of what looks like amazing products you can make with your wild game. What do you think is probably the most popular item you have requested? And what do you think is the most underrated item that you think needs is way better than what people give it credit to. Well, I have a, a smoked sausage that I make during deer season, and last uh, season I made 349,000 pounds of this one particular wow. sausage. It is called Sweet Heat. I saw that on your website. It is a smoked sausage uh, with seven different fruits in it. Once I'd done that, it took off. It just blew up. Now we have uh, this in the summertime. Well, actually, my butcher shop, we, we keep 2,000 pounds on hand all the time because we just can't keep enough of the, of the, of the sweet heat uh, sausage. Which, I mean, <clears throat> being from South Africa, I went to school. I got a degree in meat. So in other words, I c- they trained me to produce 300 different flavors of sausage. I have 176 different flavors right now that I make. The only reason I haven't made the others is because I don't have a place to put it. A degree in meat, Sam. I don't have that degree. <laughs> Sam's got more degrees than uh, than the average guy, but he does not have a degree in meat. No, sir. Well, so as a as a as a butcher, what a guy who's you've been around deer a long time. What common mistakes do you see guys making that we, we might could uh, get our listeners to correct? Like one, don't 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 soak it in salt. You know, don't soak it in buttermilk. And, and the least thing you want to do, it's like I had a guy come by the other day, he, he had some laying in water, you know, and he's, uh, I actually took the, I took it as a golden opportunity. He said, man, this deer gave us a hard time, man, we had to dig, we had to dig this deer out of the slough. And then I opened up the cooler and looked inside there, I said, well, it seemed like that deer's still in the slough, because <laughs> it was floating in the water. That's the worst thing you can ever do. If you want to make a specialty and you want to make sausage, you don't want meat to be wet like that. You don't want it to absorb all that water because it becomes like a sponge. And it just makes a poor sausage. And your flavor's gone too. I learned that the hard way a long time ago when I dropped off a soaked deer and requested summer sausage. And it came back all wet and spongy. Moose, yeah. So I, I, I want to say that I soak my doves in salt water. That's that's a different story. It doesn't absorb that bad. Most people take their doves and they'll put the dove in, in a Ziploc bag in water and freeze it just like that, which is fine. Because you freeze it, it's not, it's not absorbing it anymore. Okay, but, but with deer meat, you, you, you do not do You that. don't want to do that. Okay. I mean, why do you want to take the game out of the game? Good point. 
keep um, the game in the game. And I know? don't know all the technical terms uh, when it comes to meat, but uh, my understanding, you know, people are trying to get the blood out. Yeah. But that red in the meat is not technically blood. No. It's, it's another substance. That's it. Uh, hema something. It's but, actually a flavor. Yeah. It's actually a flavor. You have to keep it in there to have it flavored. I mean, do yourself a favor. Go and buy yourself a two-inch thick ribeye steak. Soak one in water. Leave it in there for five days, two weeks, and then cook another one with it. It has not been put in there and taste the difference. So, you know, we, we really like to use vacuum sealers and such, but you also hear people using butcher paper and, and different things. Do you have a, a preference uh, that you recommend? I'm going to tell you what we were, I'm, where we started years ago when we started this, 20 years ago. I didn't have the money to buy a vacuum packer and buy this high-tech stuff, and I wish I did. But, you know, Walmart was great, was good to me, because we had plastic bags, Walmart. So we'd throw it in a plastic bag, freeze it just like that, and give it to the customer. A lot of customers would just come in and just look at the bag, wouldn't say nothing. But they'd come back in a week with another deer and say, whatever you put in that plastic bag, that's what I want. (laughs) I want some more of that. You know, so we had to start somewhere. But, yes, I would much rather... uh, and not recommend the butcher paper or anything else, even the cellophane, not good, because uh, your meat's just going to freeze or burn so much quicker. The vacuum seal, I use a four, three to four millimeter thick vacuum bag, which is thick, which will last longer. I've had a customer call me the other day and said, hey, I've, I've got some sausage from you seven years ago. He says, I took it out of the vacuum bag, cut it open, and sliced it. He says, man, I'm telling you, it tastes just as good as it was the day you made it. This is seven years now. Yeah. I'm not recommending. I'm, I'm saying if, if you kill a deer and you're going to keep it for seven years, you're really not hungry. You shouldn't have had it processed because you don't want to eat. Okay? I say get started eating, but that, the vacuum bag is the way to go. So, uh, Mac sitting over here. I don't know if you can see Mac, but he's got a question. What yeah. you got, Mac? Yeah, so uh, we talked about processing deer. I, I'd be curious to hear what you would do for a turkey and a duck and doves is, is also freshwater fish. If you could go through kind of just how you would prepare those if you were at your house after a harvest or a catch. Uh, most most people are, uh, are taking their turkey like that and, and, and freezing them in water too. You know, you fish the same way. Um, you know, freezing water for some other reason just holds up a whole lot better that way. You know, your dove, your turkey, your pheasant. Most people bring in like that. Hey, don't ever, don't ever, try, don't ever attempt to try and make like thirty pounds of pheasant sausage. Have you ever tried to debone a pheasant? No, <laughs> I have not. That is a job. I'm telling you, I'd rather work on an ostrich. <laughs> yeah, they're a little bigger. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, keep keep it frozen like that. Uh, as, that's the way I would do it. You now preserve it, or you could vacuum seal it. Vacuum vacuum seal the turkey too. Um, it's not going to hurt it. Just make sure that your bones and stuff don't poke holes in the uh, vacuum seal when when you do vacuum packing. Yeah, I, I still uh, freeze my birds and birds and stuff, for lack of a better phrase, in in water. Yeah. Uh, but but fish, if I can vacuum seal them, I, I try to do that. But uh, I've been I've been freezing fish in water up until a couple of years ago when I got a vacuum sealer. And uh, I just my thing with fish is after about a year, I don't. That's not my thing anymore. So Max thinking he's going to kill a turkey. You you uh, you're being positive over there. Right? Yeah, it's it's not too far along away. <laughs> so Adrian, what are we? Uh, what from your perspective? Uh, what's you probably walked in here and said, boy, if these knuckleheads 
uh, know anything, they'll ask me this. What, what, what's something that you wish we would ask you? Uh, and I mean, if I could spend more time and I could stand around, I could show you how much more things could be done with deer. How about that inner loin? I'm going to get to you, Mac. How about that inner loin? So you cut that out, and, and what do you typically use that for? Uh, a, lot, a lot of people like to uh, take that over there. And to, most of the time I'll say, hey, just run that through the tenderizer one time. All it's going to do then just flatten it out and stretch it out. But that tenderloin is pretty dang good. You lay it flat on the table like that, you can get you any kind of sausage that you make, your choice, uh, fresh breakfast sausage or something like that, you can go ahead and just twirl it around inside, wrap you some bacon around that, stick it on the grill, cook them just like that. You know, that, that's something good, something something you can I've do. I've always thought of the tenderloin as the kind of the ce- celebratory hunk of meat that you pull out and eat. That's and it. You, you put up the rest and you, you go ahead and cook yeah. that. It's almost like the deer sushi. Yeah. You know, it's just that tender. It's good. Mm-hmm. It's all the way around. It's, it's, it's the filet mignon. That's what it is. And that's the only muscle out of the whole animal that doesn't work at all. Yeah. It doesn't there. exercise like everything else. And that's the reason why it's so tender. Yeah. Matt, go ahead. Yeah. So uh, with, with processing 7,500 deer, I'm sure you have people come and get all different types of you know sausage summer sausage ground steaks what do you think the perfect order uh of how you should get your deer processed if somebody shot an average size doe i would say let's put it the other way i'm gonna change it the way you said it i would say if if, if a customer wants to have the deer processed and they shoot a doe they need to have the doe done into hamburger and cube steak and then when the bucks start chasing, whichever wants to shoot those horns, then they need to bring in to me and say, all right, let's go ahead and make a specialty. All right, so let's do away with the hamburger, then let's do your smoked sausage, let's do your fresh brats, you know, either like a, 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 a bacon cheddar brat or, or a cheese and onion brat or, or jalapeno and cheese or a boudin, you know, or something like that. It's something you put on the grill in the summertime and entertain your folks and say, hey, let's sit down and have some boudin. Let, let's just have uh, some bratwurst or a good smoked sausage. I'd recommend putting the bucks into that, uh, something that's cooked and good to go. That way, you know, if there is any wild in there, I can take the wild right out. Gotcha. You know? <clears throat> so you might take him two does, mate. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just just put some horns on one of them. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Sam, you got a question? Yeah, I mean, so you said that you butchered last year 7,500 deer. Do you ever do wild boar by chance? I do do wild, wild boar all the time. Yes, sir. Is, is there any tips or things you think about when it comes to bringing in a wild boar, whether it's like are there some sizes that are better than others, or is there anything that you would Which I wouldn't, is I would, different? I wouldn't particularly go and kill the big ones, you know, because a lot of them have got a real bad smell to them when you, when you uh, prepare them. But get you one about 150 pounds or something like that, shoot it, and uh, get your meat ready. It make, it, it, as a matter of fact, it makes much better sausage than... Uh, than deer does but so many people are so accustomed to that and you can even take 50 50 mix half deer half hog put it together and make yourself a real good sausage yeah i'm now just guessing that you probably really want to get the guts out of that one fast and, and yes. maybe even cut off uh some of his uh male appendages if he's that's it, it yeah discard of it yeah, yeah. yeah i'm asking yes and, and is there not a, some other glands that that uh, well, you know, deer has the same thing. They have a gland. They've got two glands on the shoulder and two glands on the hindquarter. I always take them out when I process. So I remove them. Yeah. And, of course, the hogs have got the same thing. 
remove those glands. You don't want to put them in there. Yeah. They're, uh, if you know what you're looking for, they're pretty easy to find, but it's, it's hard to explain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can do a video about that. Which I've shown a lot of guys. The gland, the gland normally sits on the side of the hindquarter. You take a piece over there and cut it off like that, and if you cut it in half, bend it open, you can see the gland in it. You throw it away. Adrian, b- before we close this thing out, I want to make sure you talk about uh, your business, your butcher shop. Is there a website yeah. or a Facebook page? We, we do have a Facebook page that you could follow. I also uh, am not going to get completely out of the deer processing. I'm going to do customers that have been with me for 20 years or more, You know, people that have just really supported me, people that support me in the summertime, come get a steak or come get, uh, you know, a... Uh, bacon wrapped thunder egg we have thunder eggs over there which is uh, brisket stuffed with mozzarella you know loaded with cheese and a ranch flavor wrapped in bacon it's just a big old thunder ball like that great on the grill we have to have a pineapple one too that's wrapped in bacon uh, it's got jalapeno bacon cheese uh pineapple chicken stuffing on the inside wrapped in bacon we have a whole lot of different things that we offer to the public uh in our butcher shop um, we have a green sausage and we saw the green sausage when you when you were over there, but it's a, it's like a, a chicken uh, cheddar sausage, spinach sausage. We have a chicken broccoli and cheddar sausage. Um, it, it's just a whole bunch of stuff we do offer to the, to the so how can the they customers. find you now? That they can find me on Facebook or uh, so they got a Hunter's Gold. Is that what it is? Hunter's Gold website, yes, sir. Uh, and I was I was looking at it earlier. Uh, they do some really cool specialty type stuff, so I I can't wait to make the road trip over there. And, and we, you know, we got people drive from everywhere to come over there. And we got people as far as Arkansas, Florida, that come over there, and they come with coolers. And I'm talking about big chest coolers, and they load up and say, well, "We're going to see you one time this year." And we, we might see you twice. Well, they, they want to come see this crazy South African that's that's wearing short britches on a day when it's uh, freezing out. That's <laughs> Boy, they look at me funny too. Like. I, it's just amazing that you're. I mean, that you have made it over here to the this part of the world, Columbus, Mississippi, basically uh, from South Africa. South. Did they run you off? Is it, was that what happened? Or yeah, what? I actually got too much of things. What happened? Yeah, yeah, they just couldn't handle me anymore. I mean, I was just. I had to get someone to, to kind of tame me and calm me down, you know. Yeah, Mac mm. is our fact checker. I, Mac, if you Googled <laughs> online, you might he might have some kind of record over there. In it Africa. must have been expunged because because uh, <laughs> I, I checked earlier just to, to make sure we were in good hands. Uh, that's it. We, we hear nothing but good things about your business and about you, and I'm saddened to know that you're going to slowly start getting out of the deer business. But, but well, yeah, the the new artisanal quality meats and and uh, sausages that. T- take a look at it. It's yeah. really cool. We we offer we offer things to the people that they've never seen before. When people come inside there, and I've got fifteen doors that you can open up freezers, and they'll go through there and they'll and they'll say like, "Do you ever sleep?" <laughs> you know, no. I'm just trying to get it done as quick as I can. You know, get it full and keep it full. So, uh, we offer products that you just can't find anywhere else but at Hunter's Gold, and that's why people come over there. They want different. People want different. They don't want to eat hamburger. I mean, hey, if you, you drive a Ford all your life, you know, some other time you might want to drive a Porsche. Yeah. Right? That, is that, <laughs> I guess, that, Sam, I'm looking at you. You're the only person in here that's probably driven a Porsche. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, that, that's about right. <laughs> 
Well, Adrian, uh, look, uh, Mac, you got anything else? Yeah, we'll we'll link that uh, your Facebook in in the show notes so everybody can check that Thank out. Thank you very much. And I would like to say, I mean, early on in this, when I was explaining to you how we're trying to also encourage people to do their own deer, that you were very supportive of. Yes. It. You, you, you think it's a just a – I love the way you said that. A guy needs to know where his deer comes from and where that meat, what the cut, where it comes from. Exactly. That makes a lot of sense to me. It does. I mean, hey, you know what you're taking out. You know what you're putting in. You know, behind the scenes, there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes that you really don't want to know. Like, give us an example. That's it. <laughs> I mean, you know, people could people could just mishandle your meat, you know. In other words, your meat could be laying outside, and in other words, for five or six hours. I know some places, among, and, and you know, where they'll have the meat come in, and the skinner will not be available till after four o'clock, or that meat's been laying out there since... 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock, whenever they dropped it off, 7 o'clock, whenever they opened up, maybe 8 o'clock, until 4 o'clock. Well, I mean, it could be 80 degrees that day. How's your meat going to be after that? Well, Not going to be good. Find somebody trusted in your community. That's uh, it. I like to do most of my own, but if I want something specialty, I'm, I'm going to find somebody I trust to, right. to do it for me. Like the uh, boudin, I, I want a pro to make me some boudin. That's it, some good spicy boudin, too. That's right. I like spicy, it's good. That's right. We even make the boudin balls. Oh, those are even better. Whatever you want. Deep fried. Yeah. Can't beat it. You can bread it yourself, crumb it, whatever you want to do. Deep fried. Excellent. That's one of my favorite food groups. Yeah. Is boudin. <laughs> <laughs> and we make a ton of it. Now, we normally cook cook through about almost 10,000 pounds of rice. Wow. Just during hunting season making boudin. That's, That's the most ultimate tailgate food on the planet. That's good stuff. boudin. Well, one of them. Well, guys, I, look, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to give everybody one last chance. Is there anything else in, uh, in conclusion? Sam, do you have anything you want to add? One, one, one more thing. Yo, Adrian, go ahead. When, when, when you're going into, the, into your processing place and you've bought your equipment, make sure your equipment is always clean before you get started. Don't leave it the night before and then say, hey, I'm just going to continue processing tomorrow morning. That will affect your meat as well. Yeah. Are there certain like products that you use to clean that stainless steel equipment that I, you could recommend? I actually use Dawn soap to clean my equipment and stuff like that, but I also have a sanitizer that I spray on all my equipment, tables, floors, and everything after they clean and leave them for 20 minutes before I rinse them off. But another thing, too, I was going to say is when you're processing, the sky's the limit. Let your mind go crazy. Let your mind be creative. Let you, whatever your mind thinks, if your mind thinks, hey, I want to try and make some of that, make it. If you don't succeed the first time, don't worry about it. Come back and keep on going. You will reach your goal, and you will make what you want to make. That's right. But, I mean, you just have to have a crazy imagination. I guess I've got one of them. <laughs> uh, I'm going to make my own potted meat out of deer. That's one of my. That is perfect. That's one of my crazy ideas. Yeah, and I've I've actually been experimenting with it. That's a good idea. So. You need to try and dry some too. Okay. In other words, dry your meat. Okay. In other words, season it and dry it, just like jerky. Make it into a dried sausage. That's something you can put in your back pocket. That's cured, and you can just carry it around anywhere you want to go. If you're hungry, pull yourself a piece out and eat it. Is that biltong? Biltong. I actually brought you some. Did you really? Yeah. How about that? That's going to be good. That's going to be almost like a roast beef. Try that great well guys 
Dudley, have you got a concluding thought? No, that was excellent. I, I liked where that went and uh, had a good time, and I learned a lot. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, you know what? I think this area, this part of Mississippi, Alabama, we're uh, we're lucky to have you. Yeah, hey, thank you. I'll yeah. be. Uh, you'll come see me sometime. You know, you don't have to come buy anything. Hey, we might just sit down and have a cup of coffee. Well, I'm a coffee drinker. That's it. And occasionally <laughs> I get to kill something. So uh, <laughs> there you go. So, guys, in conclusion, I would uh, we, we want to thank. Adrian, for being here. And I uh, also want to encourage guys to go to uh, his, his Hunter's Gold Facebook page. But also encourage guys to go to uh, the Walmart stores and check out those Weston products so that you can do some of this stuff yourself. So that's a, that's a great service. Dudley, I enjoyed um, Thank you for sitting in here with us, asking the questions. Sam, we're looking at you. Thank you. Uh, Mac, always has some good questions. Adrian. Thank you. Fun sale. You're an interesting guy. <laughs> you got a great smile. Well, this part of the, the Mississippi, Alabama, we're lucky to have you. No and uh, Thank we you. wish you a lot of luck. Thank you for having me. All right. I appreciate it. Why don't you say goodbye, Dudley? Goodbye, Dudley. Get us out of here, Mac.